0: The House of Mystery presents Inside Writing, the radio show where authors discuss their writing process
1: in all genres. Well, welcome back into the House of Mystery, and of course, I'm Al Warren. Sitting co-host today would be the great Brian Turnoff. Just a sausage link away. Just a sausage link. His sausage is a real turnoff. <laughs> <laughs> oh and you know the third person in the room is, a, is a, a guy that co hosts quite a bit uh and he's got a book out um so it's important that we talk to him about his book because he's 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 a good writer <laughs> yeah <Hey, Al. laughs> so, you have to state that <laughs> <laughs> so it's mr john Copenhagen. and um, howdy how are you guys doing Uh, Good, doing good. good. I guess my sausage isn't so good, but (laughs) so so. Your new book, "The Savage Kind," Mm -hmm. a mystery. Yeah. Okay, so, you know, I I will say one thing. I was surprised when you were starting to talk about this book just just Mm -hmm. a while back, because you don't really mention what you're doing. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You're not real open about it. All of a sudden. You've got, you know, the covers are coming out and all this, and it's like, wow, where did that come from? <laughs> so, Surprise! Do you, but do you is that do you have to write that way? Do you like keep it real close to you and not really talk to people about it, or are you worried that we were going to steal your idea?
0: Oh well, no, not the latter. I, you know, I think that. um Sometimes it's just—I mean, honestly—it it takes a lot of energy to talk about your um, your writing when, um, particularly when it's processed, because it's still very much like even when you're editing it, I, I think it's still very much processing through your brain, you know. And sometimes you just, it's like trying to unscramble, <laughs> unscramble it all um, for people. Um, you know, I think you, I really start talking about a book when I feel like I've sort of sent it off to, you know, start, you know, in the true kind of publishing process. I've gone through the edits of I'm kind of letting it go. And then I can, I can really start talking about it more objectively. Um, but I think that's kind of what it is. Um. Yeah, and also don't. And also, I'm kind of like I'm not one of those guys that's like, "Hey, you want to hear about my book?" <laughs> yeah. like, yeah. You know. Um, I, I think that it kind of has to become part of a conversation. Um, yeah. So yeah.
1: Yeah, it seemed like it was just a surprise, and then yeah. all of a sudden the emails come out. Man, you got you, you get plastered with the stuff. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the email, and and that's you wearing a hat, you know. <laughs> like a, uh, <laughs> we, wearing a hat? Yeah, yeah, the agent sent it to me. I don't know, you know. Just, wearing yeah. a hat? what was I wearing a hat? Oh, well, right. you know, it was it was an old style hat too. So,
0: oh, you're talking probably my website is what you're thinking of, where I have like the fedora on with the sort of mystery. Um, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, but it came in. A, no, I got it in an email.
0: Oh, okay. I don't
1: know. I'm not I'll sure. Send maybe there's yeah. all sorts of pictures. Nice. Yeah.
0: Well, I, I, some of it is my newsletter that I do cause this is what authors are told that they need to do, um, is to keep a, a monthly or, I mean, mine is not monthly at all because I don't have that much news, but you know, when a book is coming out, <laughs> it's true. My book is coming out, you know, um, it is like you're building an audience and, um, You know, a lot of the research shows that you build an audience by keeping sort of contact with them via newsletter. So you start, you know, you start building that and and figuring out how to do a newsletter, Um, which is not very natural, but it's, you know, it does something that a lot of authors do do and are, are told to do.
2: Well, I got the uh, next topic already for you. Apparently there are some pictures uh, circulating circulating around the web that you're unaware of um, that Al has put out there with this Fedora. So, you know, that one may be the next one for you. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I... uh It's
0: Photoshop.
2: Go on the uh, black, you know, the uh, dark uh, interwebs, or and
1: all that. Yeah, well, no.
0: Well, as long as I look good, it's fine. No, I'm, I'm, I'm. <laughs> well, there you Who go. doesn't in a fedora? Right.
1: <laughs> yeah. No one's going to be looking at the hat. Come on. But but I have to wonder in your particular case, right? Um, I think that you take things fairly serious when it comes to your books. Oh yeah, I do. And and yeah. you care a lot about. Uh, a reaction, what people think, and, uh, and so I would imagine that that would be some of your attention, so you've got to keep it separate, the whole promoting part, rather than during your writing, because during your writing, if you're focused on all of that, it, wouldn't it interfere, right?
0: Yeah, well, so, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you a little story about that, because um, I think it is really related to this book. Um, so the my first book, Dodging and Burning, um, it was a long journey to find uh, my publisher, Pegasus. Um, in fact, the longest part of the process after the writing of it was wasn't finding my agent, it was finding... My publisher, um, and uh, in the mean, in, in the interim, in the meantime, I uh, wrote a, an older version of the Savage Kind, and um, I wrote it in this space of kind of feeling rejection because I wasn't sure what was going to happen with Dodging and Burning, um, and I thought I've, I may very well have to lead with this, you know, the second book that I wrote, um, and honestly, it it was a, a version of the book that I was really writing for an imagined audience and not for myself. And I don't think it was very good. And I, I had uh, I had to, um, you know, go back in and, and completely reimagine it. And you know, between like the first version of it and then the reimagining of it, I saw dodging and burning. And so my, Perspective on my writing really changed. Um, my my confidence changed. Uh, I realized, you know, "Dodging and Burning," which is a book I certainly wrote for myself. Um, and and when I say for myself, I don't I don't necessarily mean I, I was unaware of an audience. But um, you know, I think that ultimately, I, I just wrote it in a more sort of pure way, and then like this first version of. of the Savage Kind. I, I didn't, and so once I got that confidence again, I was able to rewrite, reimagine, and do what I had really, I think, set out to do: a Savage Kind. But I had to let that kind of fear of my audience, or that that worry that somehow I need to write a kind of book for to sell it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that I now other writers are different. I write better if I write the book that I want to read. Um, and, and then just figured it out from there when I was trying to write this older version of my book, it just, I don't think it was working. because so I was trying to, you know, sell it and while I was writing it and you're, you're right, you can't, for me, I don't want to put this on other people. I, it's better if I separate the two, the, the promotional side from the, the writing side.
1: Yeah. That makes more sense anyway. Mm-hmm. Um I, I, so now this one, you've got two characters, um, two girls, um, yeah, and and uh, <laughs> how do you choose these names?
0: But Philippa and Judy? Yeah, Judy
1: <laughs> Peabody was like, okay, she's a nerd, right? You can, uh, <laughs> I mean, with the name. Or like is that. she? <laughs> well, that's you know, that's it, right? And then um,
2: seriously, judging a book by its cover, like literally, right now. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, no, but you see consciously you choose these names oh, to, yeah. to create an image very specifically right so yeah. so in a way're you're, you're choosing these names to make me think or try to imagine who these characters are right sure. as I'm reading so so you must have something in mind when you choose these names yeah, okay. or I could be wrong you see because again you you you're writing fiction, so you create these two characters. And so you must have something in your mind of what they're going to look like and what kind of personality they're going to have. So with that being said, the names got to match. It sounds weird, but names yeah. have got to match.
0: They do, absolutely, 100%. That's, that's yeah. kind
1: of, and then you've got, and I, and I go through this, and then so all of a sudden um, there's newfound feelings toward each other. Mm-hmm. Oh my God! So, <laughs> <laughs> so this is um, this is one of those complex stories that you're following their relationship and how how they meet and go along as they go through solving a crime, basically.
0: Yeah, yeah. I really like the double task of, um, and then sometimes it drives me crazy. But I really like the double task of, kick, you know developing characters over a sort of plot that is, you know, complex. So, you know, the the arc of their relationship, the arc of their personalities is um, wedded to the, the plot while also being a mystery plot. <laughs> um, and because I like character and I like plot as a reader, and I think that um, I don't think... You know, readers should have to choose between those two things um, if that's what they want. So you've got, uh, you know, I have these two characters who are both dealing with their sexuality, dealing with various, you know, uh, childhood traumas in in very different ways. Um, And then, you know, trying to figure out what happened to a classmate of theirs and, and most importantly their beloved English teacher who they idolize Miss Martin's, and so, um, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's like kind of, you're just balancing a lot, but I, I like that, I mean, I, I, like that, because I think I care equally about those things, so, um, and you're, you right, the names are just super important, um, and there's a lot, there's a story behind every name, but I think that, um, I think you kind of have to have that story, and have to, it also has to have the right feel for the character, so. And, and to,
2: yeah, to, to piggyback on Al's question, um, and about, what about, like, 1940s D.C.? Because I think not just for this book, but at least part of the last book, uh, first book, uh, I think, takes a place there. I and mean, what about that time and, and place that draws you there as inspiration for your plot?
0: Yeah, well, lots of things, actually. Um, I think that it's a fascinating time period historically. Uh, I, and the more I realize this, the more I'm really writing about post-war uh, uh, you know the environment not so much during the war I mean although some of that stuff does come up in dodging and burning this novels completely post-war I think because it's this time period of a lot of turmoil but also a lot of uh, in the 40s where it of more loosening of social mores and and uh, um, social moral like um, kind of like ju- judgmental think I, ways of looking at, at, at differences in people. And then in the, in the 1950s, it all kind of closes down. And so uh, we get a very conservative time period. Uh, we get the McCarthy era. We, we get, you know, it's one of the worst times to, to be gay in, 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 in sort of the 20th century was the, was the 1950s. Um, it, but you know, women—the cho- choices for women and what they could do with their lives and and, and sort of their identities—was closing down too. So it's sort of this moment right before the, I guess, in some ways, uh, the storm. And that fascinates me as well. Um, also, just love a lot of the kind of writing and film from that time period. I love film noir. I love the sort of the moral questions and uh, ambiguities that often come up in really in the really great, you know films of that time period that were, you know, detective films or film noir in general. So um, I think there's, like, lots of reasons drawing me to that. In a weird also in a really personal way, uh, it's my mom's era. She was exactly um, uh, Philippa and Judy's age at that time. So um, sort of interesting to think about her story. I mean, it's not her story, but, it, you know, to think about sort of women of her generation and kind of what they lived through
1: well, so do you, how do you get yourself into the character um, of someone in the 1940s? Are you are you like um, going out and buying? secondhand clothes from the floor and dressing up and, <laughs> and, and, and sitting in your bed. Well, that was his real-life
2: inspiration, obviously.
0: Oh. Right, that's enhanced the Fedora. Oh. Uh, <laughs> back when men wore hats. Um, yeah. No, I think, uh, I mean, with Doggy and Bernie, I actually did go out and buy a, 19, a 1940s outfit, but for my, my friends who were posing for the photograph for that one. But uh, generally, I... Um, uh, I really watch a lot of um, popular entertainment from that time period. I read uh, from that time period. I, you know, I do research, of course. But I think it's more important kind of finding the primary text um, that I think kind of flesh out your the way people saw themselves then. You also have to realize, and this is an interesting thing to balance, is that, you know, we are like, say, watching a film noir from that time period, you're not getting actually how people spoke and behaved. You get, you get a very edited, stylized version of that. Um, but so often the way we remember that time period is through um, the art and from that time period. So when you're writing, you have to take into consideration maybe how it was, but also people's expectation or their sort of uh, collective memory of that time period, which is a slightly different thing. So it's when you're sitting, you're sitting down to figure out how to write that on the page. There has to be some that you know nods and 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 is in conversation with like the the actual uh, time period itself, and then also the art from the time period, like the movies and stuff. So um, and I always find myself pulling back in the dialogue. I'm like, this dog sounds a little bit too much like you know. Snappy 1940s (laughs) film dialogue, Um, and doesn't quite have the you know 21st century realism to it. But you know, you also want to nod a little bit to the time period in the dialogue. So there's sort of this you're walking in this uh, tightrope a little bit. Um,
2: You have to have at least three of the characters saying meh copper."
0: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly.
1: (laughs) But I would I would also think that um, isn't it in a way a little bit restrictive. Uh, because you're talking about 17 year old girls in the 1940s so yeah. their awareness would not be what it is of a 17 year old girl in 2020 Oh, no not so, so, so 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 and how you develop them like how they act and react to let's say a relationship with each other yeah. in 1940 is going to be a totally different thought of two girls in the, at 17 in 2020 oh yeah. Right. Yeah. So so, isn't that a little bit restrictive? Like, do you find it a little bit uh, like you can't go, uh, you know, twenty twenty wild with these two girls?
0: <laughs> no. Well, I mean, they don't have the language. I mean, they, they don't have the language. They do have the feelings. So you know, what you're really left with is, and and they're they do have some awareness of same sex attraction. Unfortunately, during the time period, it would have been all negative. Right? It's all. Um, You know, if you're gay, you're a deviant, or you're, you know, uh, uh, psychologically unwell. Like, those are the options. And that they would have had any sort of access to the time period for understanding their feelings. Um, And so they have to figure out sort of how they feel about it and how they navigate the negativity that the world, you know, is they have some, you know, some clue about but they don't really have a positive language for it. And it causes a lot of, you know, of course, internal struggle too. But, um, you know, I I just, I think that that's interesting to write about uh, because I think people do forget that it wasn't, um, you know, as easy to be out and and to talk about same-sex attraction. You couldn't flip, you know, flip on popular entertainment and and see it, you know, a same-sex couple on Netflix or some story. I mean, it's happening now. It really is fairly recent. Um, but still, I get people, uh, of course, responding to Dodging Burning, my first book, which had similar themes. They were sort of shocked about how bad it was. was like, well, it, but it was, you know. <laughs> um, and so I think that uh, sometimes I guess when the limitations are what interests me, uh, I think that you can do interesting and, and um, sort of expose that and, and, and find a way like kind of in some ways, it's like a mystery plot. It's, it could be kind of limiting too, but it's interesting to play with the form. So I think that's maybe something I'm I'm kind of compelled by a little bit.
2: You you touched on something there a little bit before that, you know, about more representation in fiction. Um, You know, what other parts of the LBGTQ um, community or aspects would you, like, incorporated into fiction? Or, I guess, maybe you want to see some of those, like, tired old tropes taken away.
0: Yeah, well, certainly the tired old tropes um, I would love to see. (laughs) I would love to see less of. Um, Some of them because they're negative and some of them because they're just tired. And are you um,
1: talking about me, like like what? <laughs> are you talking about me. Give us some kind of <laughs> tired Outside well, of Alan Warren, I, I, I was a tired old. <laughs> so, no, no, <laughs> <Well>. no. <laughs>
2: That's a compliment for him, actually. But.
1: Yeah, <laughs> things are going up. <laughs> <laughs> but
2: well, what 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 else would you like to see more incorporated or less incorporated?
0: Like, well, I, I think I think that. You know, um, and I'm I'm looking at generally. I, th- I think that where it's not necessarily you know to be uh, have a, a character who's gay, a lesbian or a trans character in a story, and they're just they're just in the story functioning like any other character. It's not about their you know um, identity. Um, not that their identity isn't a part of who they are and that plays in the story, but that it, the story isn't centering around their same-sex attraction or some sort of strife uh, therein. It's just like, you know, they're, you know, a, car- a lawyer who's gay or a, or a detective who's trans or something, and they're solving a crime. I think that it normalizes it, and um, I think that, you know that is acceptance ultimately when it's not a big deal anymore, and um, or made a big deal of. So I think anything that allows for that um, would would be wonderful to see. Uh, you know, uh, I think that we do have to back off of some of the um, tired old tropes of the you know the gay best friend trope, which still is alive and well. Um, you know, the, the, the deviant gay sort of trope, which I think is still out there, um, the, like a bad boy, bad actor kind of deal. Um, and I think that just like or take them and then like twist them and turn them a little bit, deepen them, explore them in a more complex way, which is certainly great to do, too. So you know, you, in, other, in other words, you can you know just not write them, or you can write into them and find you know depth and, and complexity into some of, some of those um, tropes. But um, yeah, I think I think there's certainly progress um, that we can make, and we are, I think, making. Um, I just hope it continues on an upper tw- up, upward trend.
1: Yeah, it might just take a matter of time because what what we recognize is kind of. Uh same old trope, or say, the kind of like not a very original character is not what someone in uh, Alabama might mm-hmm. you know? They, right, they, it may be the first time they're
0: encountering any kind of
1: Right, right, like so, character. so for a lot of people, because it seems like the country is not equal in all aspects of, of, of understanding or, or education, so no. it might it, there might be a lot of people that see it and go, oh wow and had never realized that gay people are human too yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just, just flash yeah just throwing that out there but you know but uh, um, are there we're just so much
0: why li- I mean I think there's this there's all this made of the difference and I think there's so much that's the same you know and I think that there's real power in finding you know that uh, you know the, the differences aren't as great as you might think <laughs> Yeah,
2: Yeah. yeah. well, I was going to say, and then there's, like, something on the opposite end of the spectrum where, and I don't want to, like, hopefully you guys don't get in trouble with this part, but, like, before we were talking, before leading up to the interview, um, you both were talking about how you've had some pushback from publishers with particular words that you want to use and include into your books. Um, So, I mean, like, how do you feel about that, where even that today still exists?
0: Um, You know, I think, you know, my my publisher has, has been great um, Obviously, had, you have to say that. I apologize. But no, no. Well they, and I'm not, I'm honestly, I'm honestly not just saying it. They have, they, it's not been an issue. Um, I think that I have in other smaller venues just had some pushback on, on I think it's all, it's a, for different reasons. Like, um, I think for me, it, it was largely just figuring out what sort of the sensitivity of the audience and, and making sure that I am, you know, being thoughtful about about their sensitivity. I I haven't had a situation where uh, I was publishing something and they were like, this is too gay or this is too uh, explicit or this is... But I don't write super explicit stuff, so... (laughs) Um, I I don't know if I would be the greatest test for that, but um, I think that, um, I I think there's some understanding that, you know, we are moving beyond that kind of, and that double standard where, like, the straight, for instance, the straight sex scene goes in, the gay sex scene gets edited out, Um, one's one's more explicit than the other, but there seems to be a different set of standards if you're, uh, gay, and really it's just homophobia, that's what that is, it's not about, you're not caring about sort of people's, you know, sensitivity towards, <laughs> towards what, you know, whatever illicit sex, it's about, you know, that you're, you're playing the homophobia, fear of it, so, um, I have not experienced that, I know that uh, a lot of other writers have, in the, not, maybe not present, but in the near past, um, So I think even recently things are changing a lot and we're starting to, our sensitivities are changing. So it's interesting to see all it develop.
2: Alan, like, what about you, though? Like, what about, like, for non-sexual aspects of a book or or parts of the plot? Uh, You were talking about, like, one word before, I think, ghetto, um, and that was, like, literally the perfect word that you could use for, in that instance. I mean, how do do you feel about that? Well,
1: you know, I... Um, for me, when, when I go to a publisher, I, I go for a reason. And in this particular case, when I go toward a, um, a publisher that does true crime or a publisher that's um, a gay publisher and stuff like that, when I do that, I'm looking for their, their like they know what their audience is good and what sells to them what they like you know, and what, how their audience is going to react. So I, I find it bizarre because I'm old and, and I look back at it and a lot of these words do not seem very offensive to me, right? So for me, it's a shock. But I, I also understand that they're trying to do a job and they only want to make the, the book better. Um, but it is, it is shocking as you get older. And I let them do what they do. Uh, as long as there's not a drastic change, it's fine. Yeah. yeah. And okay. also, I
0: mean I, I, I mean, I think that point about the audience is important. And um, I think one of the rules that I always like you don't want to give a, a reader a reason to put down a book or put down an article or whatever. You don't, you don't want something to be uh, an impediment to the, the part or the main idea of what you're trying to communicate. And so I just think, you know, being hung up on a word here or there, um, because guess essentially the, the sensitivity of readers say this is not good. I think you, you need to be sensitive and thoughtful, and not like impede your 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 process. You know the process of communicating with your reader. You know you know ultimately why do that? And um, I think at times you're you can think about okay, well this strikes me as strange because that wasn't you know for me or even in my current con- context, but. You know, once again, like i um, I would rather I'd rather the heart of what I was trying to say get through than worry about a word or two. Um, by the end of the day, you got to look at the big picture. So,
2: yeah, you both have future in politics for sure.
1: <laughs> no, I mean uh, no, because you know, it's being honest in a sense because they what the publisher will do is open you up into a new audience. Mm-hmm. that you might not have, and that's that's sort of what I look for, so in a way it's networking yourself and your mm-hmm. work, and it's, it's so uh, yeah, you learn from it, because in a sense you realize that, you know they know something I don't uh, and um, so that's, but that's sort of why I do that, and you know, it's not anything drastic, it's I don't mind a word or two or a phrase or something I, I sometimes roll my eyes, I think it's silly <laughs> I, I do I just think, wow, that's crazy, but I'm also not a 20-year-old uh, in 2020, you know. Right. So how right. how the young people see it is just like probably how I saw it back in 1980. Right. Well,
0: I've certainly had conversations with my mother about words that she uses, and she thinks I'm, you know, <laughs> being, you know she's almost going to be 90 here in a few weeks. So, you know, I can't be lecturing her if I'm not willing, you know, I mean, I, I, I gotta be lo- willing to listen too. and yeah. I mean, I work with a lot of young people as well. So, um, I'm, I, you know, I think you, you have to, uh, just be willing, I guess, to go with the flow and I'm always asking questions about them. I'm, I think that's fine. I think we should, but, um, but I'm also trying to like connect and, you know, with people and, um, if mom's gonna put up with me lecturing her, then I need to be put up with a little <laughs> lecturing myself.
2: Well, I didn't mean to put you both on the spot there. So I, I you know, I, I <laughs> you oh. guys, and that's coming from the guy asking the question. Is 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 a non rider never written anything. So uh, take it for for for, for a grain with a grain of salt. <laughs> I,
1: I think my point, or what I was getting at, is these two girls in their mind in nineteen in the nineteen forties would not be like thinking. This could possibly be a relationship and marriage. Mm.
0: Oh no, I don't think they would ever think of it in those terms. Um, You know, I think that um, they would struggle to think of it even in terms of romance. Right. Uh, Yeah. Um, Yeah. There, you know, are feelings that are, and even the 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 way the girls feel towards each other, it's not quite the same feeling they're having. and so it, it it's you know, what do you do with a, a feeling that you don't fully understand, but it's you know sending a strong message. And um in oftentimes then when you try to express that feeling it comes out all wrong or it comes out at the wrong moment, um and or the person's just not ready to receive it. And so a lot of that, you know, bears out in that in that in the in the story. Um and, uh, you know, and, and it, I think it's an ongoing process to, to navigate. It's, you know, certainly um, I think for these two girls and, and, you know, Philippa and Judy, they're on a journey. Um, so, uh, and not necessarily one that they reach by the end of the book. Um, so I do have two more books planned, so we'll see.
1: <laughs> oh, you're going to use the same characters?
0: Yeah, so I, it's 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 uh, book one of a trilogy that I've already outlined, um, and uh, you know they will see the girls um, in the early 1950s again, so a little older, and then in 1963 uh, is the, the last book um, because of sort of charting that also the time period as well and sort of how things changed through those years sort of. The Mad Men years a little bit is what it ends up being. Um, and uh, so I'll get to see them sort of grow and, and then see the choices they make through that time um, beyond the, the book. So, yeah, it's, it's it's an interesting thing to think about them that way, too. <laughs> wow.
1: Wow. Um, so you're going to have this, this long romance going on. Yeah. But that yeah. must be a struggle for you, but um, working this out, and doing this kind of work because you're sitting there and you, you obviously have to be into your characters and you're writing mm-hmm. a lot about the things yeah. they're going through emotionally and, and physically too, but, but also living your life. And let's say being at school and, and working and everything else that you do, it must, uh, it, it, do you have a problem, but does it overlap sometimes? Uh, I, I think
0: I, hunger for long stretches of time to write. And um, I think the, I am not one of those writers who can write on their lunch break or write, you know, 15 minutes in the morning. It takes me about an hour to get up to the point of writing because I have to get back in that world and I do this to myself to a certain degree, but I put a lot of layers in and I have a lot of plot threads and I insist that they all tie up and are connected in some way. And so one of the reasons that it takes me so long to get back into it is I have to get back to the character's perspective, but also have to know where I am in the story and what you know, five things are going on at the same moment. <laughs> um, and so I think, but it is difficult. Uh, it, you know, I really love long spans of time to write. Um, and for that reason, I do a lot of my writing. Since I'm a teacher, I do a lot of my writing on breaks. Um, I just have to. Yeah. yeah.
1: Now, now, the actual uh, murder in the book, or not yeah. murder. Well, I, the, yeah. there's, there's quite a few different parts, because there's the, there's the uh, their teacher as well and, geez, I don't know how to say this, but um, okay, so so the actual theme of the crime, how do you come up with that? Like, what what is it, do, do you plan this out ahead of time, before the girls came, or is this something that you brought into the girls?
0: Well, I think uh, what I really, the idea, both of my books have started with sort of a scene or an idea, um, and in this case, this one started with um, th- this idea of these two teenage girls bonding over and romanticizing their very lovely, very poised, um, and somewhat mysterious English teacher who, in a lot of ways, I think, for these girls is an example of who at least they think they want to be. Um, and and then to have that uh, character go through something and um, perhaps something traumatic, and uh, and then have the girls have to wrestle and, and try to understand that maybe what they're seeing is more complex and layered, and um, than they had ever thought. You know that they have to wrestle with that sort of. It's a kind of a coming of age thing, where okay, maybe this person isn't the glamorous person we thought they were, or maybe they're more troubled than we thought they were, or. Um, and so that idea is where that's kind of like the, the the spark. Now where it goes is is a lot. There's a lot that it gets um, unfurls about, you know, their English teacher, and then this death of this classmate who is sort of inexplicably hostile towards both their English teacher and to them, and they don't really have any idea why this guy Cleave, um, this sort of moody. Um, classmate is decided to, you know, hate them and hate the teacher so much, it, 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 up to the point of really being unsettling. Um, and so, like, all this, of course, is, you know, it's bound up in the same issue, which I can't say too much about or I'll spoil it. But, you know, that is... Kind of where it starts for me, and then I, I just work it out. I just work it out. I kind of play with it until I figure out what what's going on. It's a little bit of an adventure about uh, uh, you know what's going on in my subconscious. Like, what am I trying to work out here through a plot and through this scenario? Like, what was it that? Where did this idea come from? Um, and it's true. It was true in this book. And it was true in the last book. There's a moment where. Um, very kind of late in the revision process, I have this big epiphany about what kind of was going on. Um, and then I've sought and rewrite a bunch of it, which takes a long time, but um, it's exciting because then you feel like you're on your own sort of journey of self-discovery as well. So, but You'll have to read the book to find out. <laughs> oh. <laughs> nice teaser.
1: Well, <laughs> so, so when you say that, I guess I, I'd imagine that you're actually working out uh, some sort of subtext. You're actually working out something you want to get across to people.
0: Yeah, I think that's true. Um, And I think a lot of it has to do with identity um, and assumptions we make about people. Um, And uh, that I think this idea of how we tend to categorize and oversimplify what we think we know about people. Um, And in a lot of ways, it's like the writer's uh, journey is to, you know, uh, well, I would say argue the good writer's journey is to try to convince people that, you know, we're not dealing with cardboard cutout characters. We're dealing with sort of these multi, you know, complex, multi-layered people with lots of, um, you know, uh, depth and, uh, you know, and it's not all good, right, but it's, it's, it's there. And so I think that it's challenging a lot of ideas, um, even like my narrator, um, who sort of functions as kind of the, the uh, frame for these the journal entries, which is sort of have these dueling journal ent- entries from both the uh, girls' perspectives. But then there's a, an older narrator who comes in and says, I'm one of these two girls, but I'm not going to tell you which one. And um, and so it's sort of her way of saying, um, you know, I want you to look at this and, and see what you see, you <laughs> <laughs> um, without me guiding you. Um, so I, I don't know. I, a lot of it is about, I think the message is about identity. It's about um, It's about finding out ultimately, that we may be sort of mysteries to ourselves um, and, uh, you know, in the in, in the constant process of, you know, trying to solve our own mysteries um, about who we are. Um, I can't say too much more, but I think that, like, that is part of the mystery, really, is the mystery of self. Um, so...
2: Uh, you know, I've always wondered what it's like, um, John, to be the um, second best co host on House of Mystery. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um, you know, it's an, it's an honor. <laughs> <laughs> well, well,
2: clearly you've submitted to the idea because on your, on your zoom, it says John Copenhagen writer. So oh. <laughs> you have accepted your, you know, y- y- your fate. Um, but no, but now that you're all big time, you're a huge writer award winning. I mean, wh- why do you keep coming back and letting Al, Alan uh, use you, huh? Use your well, name for free.
0: I think it's that. I mean, I love this. It's fascinating. It is nothing I could have predicted uh, participating in and doing, I, you know. Um, I, I, I think Al is a great host, and I think we have so many interesting conversations. So uh, it totally applies to me being a writer because I feel like i constantly learning from talking to guests of the show. And so... In a lot of ways, it feeds me. It's a, it's a, it's a real kind of uh, privilege to be able to do it, um, and so I keep coming back and doing it. And
2: uh, you're really uh, buttering Alan up here, Jesus Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, I, I now know. I get why he keeps you here around. I know, <laughs> I know, but I do,
0: I do mean it. I mean, I do. It does. It is. Uh, it is a, a cool thing. Um, it's also unexpected. In fact, um, I, I mentioned in the credits of my book. I'm like, why, why, Al, ever thought that I should be on the radio? I have no idea. <laughs> but here i am
1: <laughs> well no i i always choose people by how they act and then mm-hmm. their personality so but you know you've got lots of uh experience in writing so
0: yeah
1: uh, i yeah. mean it's a good thing um so when you decide something like this so how well this book got, does will that determine whether you write the other two parts or do you write them anyway
0: uh, I think it will, yes. I mean, there will be some, you know, connection between that I sell enough copies of the Savage Kind, you know, I think this is a, a publisher's decision, not mine. I would love to be able to write them, um, and I hope I get a chance to, uh, but yeah, I mean, it just depends, really. Um, you know, I think... Um, the thing that's really lovely about Pegasus is they're not a big um, uh, you know major publishing house They're independent they're pretty robust independent but they're independent and I think one of the reasons that they published dodging and Burning is because they had a more flexible idea of what a mystery could be um, and I think that that's true for the savage kind as well and um, I'm hoping that, because of those things, they you know you know they don't expect you know great riches to fall from the sky <laughs> from you know so, you know the, from sales of Savage Kind. But I mean, of course, I would love that, but I I don't anticipate that, and few authors can predict that kind of thing. But um, I, I I think that they're open to you know. They want to. They want to have a relationship with the writer. It's not just about, well, we sell a bunch of book, uh, one book, and make a lot of money. They really want to develop and and nurture writers, which is kind of the old. That's an old fashioned idea of how publishers and writers should work, and I think it's a much healthier one. Um, so, I, yeah, I mean, I I, 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 I I would love to be able to do, but I can't say that I I you know, I promise this, and we'll we'll see how things. See how things go next week when it comes out. <laughs>
1: yeah, you know. So, um, now, how do you like people to get a hold of you? I mean, what, a website?
0: Yeah, so uh, my website is www.johncopenhaver.com. Uh, and uh, I'm on Instagram at uh, johncope74. And um, then very easy to find on Twitter and Facebook. It's just johncopenhaver.com. Um. So, uh, yeah. Find me. I
1: well, connect. and yeah, yeah. And uh, grinder or anything like that. Ah. I have. To, you know, fans want <laughs> to know. They know. Know. Well, they, they want to know. They want to know. Brian wants to know. Brian <laughs> wants to know. That. I already
2: know. It is cool. Yeah. <laughs> Where do you well, think that fedora hat came from?
1: Oh. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, there you go. You see. You know, going on behind my back, all this, everyone's having fun but me, you know? Wow. And the well, fun happens behind your back, obviously. Well, you know, and he's, and, you know, Brian, before the interview, is going, well, he's he's won all these awards. Why would he want to still be on your show? I don't get it. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't get it, but Just, it's are making these, sense. Are, are, are these awards uh, important to you? Uh. Yes,
0: but in a in a very particular, I think it would it comes down to what the words what the awards actually mean, um, and they often can mean different things. And um, I think that some mean sort of, uh, you know, you have written a good book and you participate in the community, the writing community, and um, in some cases they're more about like the merit of your own writing. Um, I think you have to look at awards and you know, you know, be proud of them, but never let them convince you that you're, you know, the 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 stuff, right? You you always have to work hard and um, and so you just you know, I, I love them. I'm I'm happy to get that recognition, um, you know, <laughs> of course. But I think you also have to be, um, you know, a little critical of yourself and what it actually means in terms of your writing. I think you have to continue to challenge yourself and push yourself. So, um, you know, so I guess that's kind of the general answer um, for it. But, yeah, certainly, I you know, it's a good feeling. I'm <laughs> it's a good feeling to get that McCavity Award and get up and stand up at Voucher Con and say a few things. <laughs> well, yeah, I, um, would, I would know. Like, yeah.
1: nobody, everybody keeps me away from those sort of things. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're, they'd be embarrassed of uh, you know. So what, what's the, what, is, uh, um, what would be a surprising thing for your fans to know about you? Like, what would be something that they wouldn't expect? Like, uh, do you, you know, uh, listen to Metallica records? Or, like, is there is there like a surprise? <laughs> you know, or read or listen to something or do something that everybody that knows you as, as a writer, would be like, wow.
0: Well, I think that the thing that comes to mind that has the strongest relationship with my writing is I am um, obsessed, and I have been since I was in high school, with film scores. And so I have a huge collection, um, in fact, boxes and boxes of CDs, um, remember those, that... Um, are full, there are all these film scores, and I still, to this day, uh, listen to film scores, uh, when I write, um, and I think, in a weird way, they are a big part of my writing process. Um, I will actually choose, uh, you know, a track or something, um, if it's like the mood of a scene that I want to get right, um. And some people have said, you know, you're kind of a cinematic writer, which makes sense because I think that I, I do plug into it with the film score. So um, I think that's kind of maybe a little different than, you know, uh, I mean, it's not just casual. I mean, I'm pretty, pretty deep in the film score <laughs> world, <laughs> this film score subculture.
1: <laughs> well, there you go, a future. A what a nerd! Preview. Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! I'm a big nerd. <laughs> I love nerd. it. I love I'm it. a huge nerd. Yeah, <laughs> undoubtedly.
0: But I, I don't think anyone's surprised by that. <laughs> <laughs> Newsflash!
1: <laughs> wow. How long does it take you to write one of these uh, uh, books uh, from start to finish? Like, not 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 including the edit process, but to get it to them. Uh, how long does that take you, generally?
0: Well. Um, I, I well, dodging and burning took about three years, and um, it's so honestly kind of hard to say with the Savage Kind. Um, but at probably about three years, the you know I think that um, I hope to speed that up. <laughs> um, I think some of it's just because of life stuff going on too. But I'm also not going to be one of those guys that puts out a book every year. I just I know I'm not. Um, but, uh, you know, I would love to like, pull it back to get it to down to two years.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Well, it's a tough thing to do. It's tough. It's especially, it depends on how busy you are and, and, and that. So it all yeah. Well, up. full-time teaching takes,
0: it just takes a lot. And so it's hard to do both. But, um, and then like I said, I, I pull on, I, you know, I decided to write historical fiction, which takes research and, you know, you keep on layering that, you know, adding the things in and it just takes longer.
1: Yeah, seems to be trendy lately. The historical fiction, there seems to be a lot of those. Oh, yeah. yeah I mean, it's places. interesting, yeah. Yeah. Well, it, but, but it kind of, it's kind of loose dealing with fiction that way. I'm sort of struggling with that idea.
0: Oh, what, like uh, you, well, how you interpret yeah. historical moment or something like that? Yeah,
1: like, they, well, they you know, because they'll take a his, historical event, something around something that's fairly major, and they add a lot of things and characters and drama to the story. Right. And yeah. that's sort of, sometimes it's kind of, um, I, I find it unusual sometimes. Sometimes it goes in a place where I don't expect it. Yeah. Uh,
0: well, I mean, you are, I think the problem is if we're, as audience members, not viewing it with some sort of critical mindset. In other words, you're just watching this historical you know, whatever, this biopic or something, and you're not, like, you're thinking that's exactly how it happened, you know? <laughs> I mean,
2: I think we can all agree that um, <laughs> Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter was clearly the best historical fiction <laughs> works of, in the last 30 years, right? I mean, there's... there's oh, yeah, and you know, he, he was totally a vampire hunter. <laughs> it, it's, it was so realistic. It really, truly was.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I think... I think that we people just need to be like, okay, it's yeah, this is a, a, this is an interpretation um, of a historical moment, and that's fine. I think we're allowed to. Inter- In fact, you know, we interpret contemporary life all the time anyway. So. Um, everything's an interpretation. So
2: I mean, even history is a real uh, interpretation. Right? Oh, history, is, history is written by the winners. So I mean, that's one way of viewing oh, too. Oh, right?
0: totally. It's totally. It's it's totally. It's just people think when I mean, it's the problem is that the way people see history is just this one this one absolute, and they have an absolute idea about it, um, and that's a problem because often that absolute idea there's all this other information they don't have that complicates that idea. Um, so it's like you look at a thing and you realize it's an interpretation and you have to start asking questions about it. Um, and so, I, you know, and I guess it doesn't bother me as much as it just bothers me that, um, and this is the educator coming out, that we don't teach more active, like, critical thinking in schools and at home so that, you know, we're realizing that questions always need to be asked of everything we're seeing through media or reading. <laughs> Um, it seems like not a problem with the art. It's a problem with maybe the way we, we look at the art um, as, as a culture.
1: Um, well, we are out of time. It's always interesting uh, getting a conversation and with the great John Copenhaver <laughs> and, and and talking about his new book, The Savage Kind. Get it. It's the best book available right now or soon.
0: Cool. <laughs> yeah yeah, next next uh, next Tuesday, oh my goodness.
1: There you go. go. Then he won't be doing the show anymore because he'll be really big. Uh, Ah, yeah. No. (laughs) Well, thank you, John. Uh, Thank you guys so much. Appreciate it. Tired of wasting time
2: trying to decide what to watch on your streaming service? Go to our website and look for the Martino Movie Reviews.
1: This has been a production of Something Weird Media.